Do you guys think Ewan McGregor had started filming Boyhood yet at the time of this movie? I don't think so because he wasn't in it. Who was in that? <laughs> That's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> oh, I get them. I get them confused all the time. <laughs> Seriously? Oh man! Yeah, it's Ethan. The whole Hawk. time I was watching Boyhood, I was like, "Wow, I can't believe they got Obi Wan Kenobi for this movie." <laughs> no, the guy from Training Day. <laughs> That's the cold open right there. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three Sith Lords with nothing better to do than talk about Star Wars Episode 2. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friends, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. I hated watching this movie, but I'm excited to do all the quotes because, man, there are some good ones. Let's start off, let's start off with a good one to tease everybody. It's okay. Just tell me where you went. <laughs> tell me! <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Keith, it's always good to see you. Looks like you got a shaved head. How you doing? <laughs> uh, trying to channel my uh does Count Dooku have a shaved head? No, he doesn't. I'm trying to think who has a shaved head in Star Wars? Uh Obi Wan's friend at the diner. <laughs> oh, Dex. Yeah, I'm trying to channel my inner Dex. <laughs> Dexter Jetster. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a treat this movie was. Um, Well, as you can tell from the title, today we are continuing our journey through the Star Wars franchise with our second prequel movie, Attack of the Clones. Oh boy, guys, we made it. We're almost through the prequels. And I gotta say, this movie was so bad, I had to take a break while watching it. (laughs) (laughs) And you liked Phantom Menace. I did. I was really expecting you to like this one, Austin. really was. I know. I know you guys were worried. Um, This is a movie I think the three of us have been both collectively dreading to watch, but then at the same time excited to talk about. Matt, give us some thoughts so we can get right into it. To your point, I didn't take a break because I waited until today to watch it. So I kind of had to just, you know, actually watch it. Um, And man, I feel like all the other movies were like two hours. And this one was not that much longer. It was only two hours and like Two hours and 12 minutes because I, I wiggled the mouse oh, okay. so many times while watching it. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm not even joking. I got to – it always felt like I was so far into the movie. I got to a point where I was like, I think we're getting close. And I wiggled the mouse and we were 40 minutes in. Or I don't know how much we were in, but I know there was an hour and 40 minutes left. And I was like, it's only been 20 minutes? <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was getting close to I the end. I did the same thing. Well, then the best one was whenever we get to Geonosis, I was like, okay, now I know we're actually getting to the end. And then there was still and like an hour and 15 minutes left. And I was like, I just kept shaking. And I remember there was another one where there was 40 minutes left. I was like, how is this, how is time moving so slowly? Same thing. I was, uh, I thought it was at least like 45 minutes in and I, you know, I was watching it on Disney Plus and I, you know, wiggled the mouse a little bit to see where I was. And I think it was like 18 minutes in. <laughs> And a lot, like a lot had happened. I'm like, oh man. All right. Well, let's start as always with some movie facts, and let's get right into the cast. We have Ewan McGregor returning as Obi Wan Kenobi. We have Natalie Portman returning as Padme Amidala. 
Um, Ian McDermott returns as Chancellor Palpatine. Hayden Christensen makes his debut as Anakin Skywalker. Christopher nice. Lee makes his debut as Count Dooku. Um, this film is also directed by George Lucas, written by George mm-hmm. Lucas, and Jonathan Hales, and scored well, by John Williams. Matt, sounds like you had something to say. Well, I guess in response to the first one, they thought, let's bring in another writer. So either they brought in a garbage writer, or they or they brought in someone that just said yes to all of George Lucas's terrible ideas. Lucas didn't want to write this film after how poorly received The Phantom Menace was. So he brought mm-hmm. he chose to bring in Jonathan Hales, who had no theatrical experience, and instead had helped him. <laughs> um, instead, had helped him writing the TV show, um, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So he brought him in to help. Um, Lucas had actually finished two drafts of the film. And then he brought in uh, Jonathan Hales to help him with the third draft of the film. And that was eventually what they shot from. Um, I couldn't find anything saying what he actually contributed to the film, though. But he clearly did enough to get a writing credit. So I I don't know what he actually changed, but it was enough for him to get a writing credit on the film. He contributed some cringy lines, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, Lucas actually said that he knows he cannot write romance, which is another reason he chose to bring in another writer well, but this, this guy, guy wrote really it so much better romance as well. <laughs> so this guy wrote the romance plot i, I don't oh know i don't God. know that's what i'm assuming because he went out of his way to say he knows he can't write romance i wouldn't even call it a romance plot it's just a stalker plot there's literally a scene where padme i'm not even joking this is not a bit people if you haven't watched this movie in a while padme literally says stop looking at me like that he says why she says you're making me uncomfortable she walks away <laughs> And he fucking smiles. <laughs> and then it cuts to the next scene. I was like, dude, this is creepy. It's, it's even yeah. worse than you remember if you have not watched this in a while. <laughs> That's very true. Because I hadn't seen this movie in years. And I definitely had forgotten how creepy Anakin Skywalker is. <laughs> yeah. He's a creep, man. He's also a murderer and somebody that would uh, like prefer a dictatorship to you know what they have, apparently. But anyway, they fall in love. <laughs> Just some other quick production notes. Um, they once again decided to rely heavily on CGI and advancements in visual <laughs> effects. Matt's making a face at me. Um, yeah. And some examples of that are there's no storyboards for the for the creation of this film. Um, they used digital animatics, which are basically home video home video footage filmed with a, with a green screen to give an idea of what they're going for. Um, but like no production values put into those. Um, and in addition to uh, like stunt doubles, the actors also had digital doubles for some of the CGI stuff. And this is the first film where Yoda is fully CGI as well. Right, because they retroactively made him not a puppet in Phantom Menace. So I guess this mm-hmm. was the first time that <clears throat> even in theatrical, he was full CG. And there's some weird stuff with the CG, even weirder than Phantom Menace, I guess, because they relied even more on it. Like... See, we'll get, we'll get into it, but really I felt weird. like the CGI looked way better in this film than The Phantom Menace. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff did, but these digital doubles they're talking about looked like garbage. Watching Anakin surf on top of that animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the one that like made me like look around the room to see if there was anybody else that saw how bad it was, was how weird was it seeing in what, four movies before this? 3PO, a guy in a suit controlling him. How weird is it to see him fully CG on Geonosis? Yeah, he's flopping around. Genuinely (laughs) looks like slimmer, too, like when he's in CGI. Like a monster. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. 
Um, so this film releases May 16th, 2002. It makes $645 million worldwide against a $115 million budget. And um, I'm not sure if this is going to surprise you guys or not, but it shocked me when I read it. Um, this film was actually pretty well received by critics, which I found surprising. Um, some critics even went so far, and I'm specifically uh, referencing a review in The Sun, to call this film just as good as Empire. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's a stretch. I mean, it's close. It currently <laughs> um, it currently has a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and overall, it, like I said, it was way better received by critics than The Phantom Menace was. Um, some things critics liked were they were happy Jar Jar had a diminished role and they felt like this movie got away from the childishness of the first one. Um, they really praised the final act of the film. And they also specifically pr- uh, praised Christopher Lee as Count Dooku and felt he brought a certain gravitas to the film um, that the first one lacked. Yeah, he did great. <laughs> what are these people talking about? I don't know, Lee's man. A, Christopher Lee shocked. is a legend, and he was sleepwalking through this movie. <laughs> My jaw yeah, dropped I mean, reading some of these reviews. I get some of it. I mean, obviously, if you're somebody that watched the first one and really hated Jar Jar Bings, I don't think you'll really have a problem here. I mean, he's barely in it. Um, and yeah, at the time, I'm not going to say, you know, like when I was a kid, I thought these movies were like the greatest thing in the world. And the CG was so cool. But yeah, it just like Phantom Menace and so many other movies, it just doesn't hold up the CG anymore. It looks terrible. Even like uh, like The Hollywood Reporter and Empire Magazine, like both like positively reviewed this film and gave it way higher marks than they gave The Phantom Menace. I mean, I guess at the time also I could get that they think it's darker and it gets away from the childish stuff. I mean, in some ways it does, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just more of a thing by today's standards. It just, a lot of it seems silly. So I don't know. Um, So some things that were criticized, um, the dialogue, of course, was criticized. um, And then also some of the character development and the romance was also uh, uniquely criticized as well. Yeah. For a good reason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Well, let's get into the film. Um, The first act opens on Coruscant. Uh, we learn in the opening crawl that there's unrest in the Galactic Senate. A separatist movement led by Count Dooku is causing planets to split from the Republic. The Jedi are no longer able to maintain peace, and the Senate is voting to hold a hold a vote on the creation of a Republic army. Padme has returned. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Why is this in here? I hate it. <laughs> um, Padme, who is now a senator, has returned to cast her vote on the creation of the army. After a failed assassination attempt, Obi and Anakin are assigned to protect her. Obi tracks a bounty hunter to the planet Kamino, while Padme and Anakin hide out on Naboo. So let's get into it. Um, let's first start with the assassination plot. Yeah, I mean, she has like 15 decoys, so good for yeah. her. Yeah, another decoy <laughs> dies right away. Yeah. It looks nothing like her. She's like 50. And Padme's yeah. like seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I even went and checked, and it's not Kira Knightley playing that one. Yeah, it was not. I know everyone was eager for Kira's return, but it didn't happen in this. I one. know, such a shame. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think. Um, I mean, I, I guess you know, looking besides like the shitty CGI from the <laughs> the explosion and stuff like that. I mean, looking at that stuff aside, I mean, I guess it's an effective opening. I mean. You know, obviously we're familiar with the character and then seeing her almost die. It's like, okay, kind of an exciting opening, I guess. I'm trying to be positive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess it is an effective way, too, of causing Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan to reunite again. Because they do establish it's been 10 years uh, since The Phantom Menace. 
You haven't yeah. seen her in ten years, master. <laughs> You're sweating. Relax. Can we also talk about how how did nobody know that Anakin was gonna like throw aside his Jedi responsibilities and get with this girl? <laughs> it's so clear. He's like, I haven't seen her in ten years. I think he even later says, being with her, it's intoxicating. It's like <laughs> I mean, of course this was going to happen. He even says to Obi-Wan, like, I've thought about her every day since I left. I know. And he, like, Yeah, that should be a red flag care. right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's so weird that nobody <laughs> picks up on that. Um, so after after the first failed attempt, um, we see who's later to reveal Jango Fett uh, meeting with his, uh, I guess, partner assassin. He hands her some, like, poison caterpillar-like things. Um, and releases them into the room with Padme while she's sleeping. Then causes um, Obi and Anakin to embark on this like really weird speeder chase across the it's top of Coruscant. <laughs> it's awful. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> Obi-Wan jumping out the window and just hoping that he catches this small little thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then Anakin doing the uh, exact same thing later when he just throws himself out of the speeder. And then Obi-Wan's like, I hate it when he does that. You just yeah. did that. <laughs> you just jumped out of a window. Oh. <laughs> uh. There's so many bad lines here. Just making one to bash my head. I mean, he's like, sorry, master. I forgot you hated flying. He's like, I don't mind flying, but what you're doing is suicide. It's like, ugh. They try to do all this like relation building stuff with Obi and Anakin because we jumped 10 years. So we miss everything. And it's kind of like what we talked about in Empire and where like with Han and Luke, they don't do any of this stuff where they're like, oh, remember when we did X? Like instead you have oh Han God, like I know. immediately like just willing to risk his life to go save Luke, which is way more effective than just having casual banter about all the fun adventures that we didn't get to see as an audience. And it's also just more believable that they're friends, who, by the way, Han and Luke, barely on screen together throughout those movies. Um, And at the beginning, they're only together at the beginning of Empire. And the way they show that they're friends is because they joke around with each other. They talk to each other and like, they just, they talk to each other and they don't like... (laughs) seemingly hate being there i don't know it just seems real i mean they're clearly friends and here you're right i mean the way they establish this period of time we missed is just by talking about all this cool shit they've done that we're not seeing yeah. Ugh, it was so lame yeah. which again we'll talk i'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to revenge of the sith but i just am so shocked that like the premise of these prequels was let's where did Anakin Skywalker come from? How did he turn into Darth Vader? How did Palpatine get to power? And like, these are the three moments in time they chose. Obviously I get Revenge of the Sith because spoiler alert, that movie ends with him becoming Darth Vader. But the first one is him as a little boy. The second, this one really just seems like a random period in time. <laughs> like we, we miss the Clone Wars coming up, which I know there's a show that everybody loves. that's about that. But I mean, at the time, why did, why wasn't this movie about the Clone Wars? And then, why was the first movie a kid? I'm just so confused about like, the periods and time they chose. It feels so random and like we're missing such critical information and like relationship building. Yeah. The first movie that maybe they could have started off with him just as a, as a kid, like in the first 10 minutes and then maybe skip forward like 15 years or so whenever they're in the, in the shit battling, doing whatever they talk, whatever they were talking about doing in the elevator. Yeah, and all that, and then yeah, like you said, then go into the Clone Wars instead of yeah, like, you're right. They picked a weird uh, two pieces of time where yeah, Anakin's an innocent little kid, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like this arrogant, cocky, kind of going against everything that Obi Wan's saying and all that. So they just skip that whole development 
Yeah, because he wasn't really he wasn't like that before. So why is he now? And also, <laughs> well, I think I think it's kind of implied that that's like kind of Palp- Palpatine's doing because they do they do uh, kind of establish yeah. that he has like a secret relationship with him, or where Palpatine's like also secretly mentoring him as well. So maybe because yeah. Palpatine <laughs> even goes as far to say as like I've said it before, you're the most powerful Jedi ever. So I'm sure that's just Palpatine in his ear, in his ear, which is causing Anakin yeah. to be arrogant. Yeah, um, he's definitely grooming him. Yeah, I do think Hayden Christensen gets slightly better as the movie goes on but in this first act the way he's delivering his lines is so weird like what is with this dude like (laughs) oh my god i'm sorry master like he just sounds bored to be on set (laughs) yeah Yeah. um yeah i'm sure we'll talk about it more because i mean i guess we have to i mean we we ripped mark hamill to shreds so it'd be unfair if we didn't talk about another person well not another person but this is the person in this franchise that gets ripped apart this is the person the franchise that basically didn't work again after these movies he in this first act he makes mark hamill look like a good actor <laughs> yeah uh, i do agree with you he definitely does get better as the movie goes on i think i also feel similarly to how we talked about jake lloyd last time which is he's not as bad as everybody says like people think this is like the worst performance ever given i it's agree not. with you about jake lloyd but Hayden Christensen is way worse than I remembered him on this video. Yeah. I guess the only thing that's that's hard is like, I know he's a good actor because I've seen him in lots of movies, even movies before this one came out, like Life is a House and Shattered Glass that he's a really good in. So what happened here? Is it just he the lines. isn't one of those actors? Like we talked about last time with Liam Neeson, he made shitty lines actually sound cool. Is Hayden Christensen not capable of that? Or is this more He's probably just too young. But we did give Jake Lloyd credit. Young for doing more with what he was given. So I don't know if we can give Hayden Christensen a pass as well, because Jake Lloyd's younger in the first one. I do think Hayden Christensen is definitely given tougher, darker material. Um, And you're right. He is still young. And George Lucas, as we've talked about at nauseum, is notorious for being really terrible at giving actors direction. Like they're kind of just aimless. And unfortunately, Hayden Christensen kind of took the brunt of the negativity but yeah, I, I can at least say I agree. He definitely gets better as it goes, but all of his lines are garbage. <laughs> They're all terrible. So Obi, Obi and Anakin do eventually catch this assistant assassin. I think her name is Zam or Zen. Zam, yeah. yeah Zam. Zam. Um, eventually, Django assassinates her from like a sniper dart bullet, um, which causes Obi-Wan to further investigate uh, this mysterious bounty hunter. Um, and then this kind of leads to them splitting up. Um, Obi decides to continue his investigation. Anakin and uh, Padme decide to retreat and go hide out on Naboo. As again, we've already talked about it a little bit in the past. Phantom Menace, the big mo- literally the only moment that um, Anakin and Obi-Wan have is when they get on the ship. And it's like, you're a Jedi Knight too? Nice to meet you. And it's cute and it's fun. It's like, these how they, this is how they met. Um, and then they don't do anything else in the movie together. And then you're like, well, that's okay. We're going to get to the next one when he trains him, and that's going to be cool. <laughs> and then they have this really garbage opening. And then Obi-Wan just leaves to go do his own storyline. And then they come together for the last 10 minutes of the movie. And then, spoiler alert, Revenge of the Sith, they do this again. They're apart. <laughs> Aren't we supposed, how are we supposed to learn about these characters if we do a 10-year time jump and then they're apart the whole movie? You've got to read the books. Oh, I forgot to read all 40 <laughs> books and play each video game. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's, that's my um, fault. 
before before we get to Camino, I do think we'll regret it if we don't talk about the scene with Anakin and Padme packing for Naboo. Um, and we get some great Hayden Christensen delivery here. I wrote it down because it shocked me how bad it was. <laughs> but I'm, I'll just read it out. Oh, I know exactly what this is. Go for it. It's not fair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's overly critical. He never listens. He doesn't understand. It's not fair. <laughs> And that's when he wonders, like, how did, how does she fall in love with this guy? That's what I'm know. saying. She's so, so calm. Whiny. She's like, he's more whiny than Mark Hamill. At least, I know. at least, like when Luke is whiny, it's because he's like a little kid and like doesn't fully understand the world. But this guy's been a Jedi for ten ten years now, and he's still this whiny little bitch. He's not a Jedi. Remember, whenever like, they're like, want to learn well, <laughs> Jedi, what do you think? And she's like, he's not a Jedi. And then he's like, excuse me, I'm I have that in my safety. notes too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I actually didn't even realize that um, until this viewing that Padawans aren't Jedi. It's like you're not a Jedi until you take, take the, the trials, trials and become yeah. a Jedi, a Jedi Knight. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, so I, we are kind of joking here, but while they are like packing um, and preparing to leave, this is kind of our first inkling of we sense there's some discomfort uh, between Anakin and Obi Wan's relationship, um, and you kind of get to see like the dark side of Anakin. Why? <laughs> Where's this coming from? They, they never like they pretty, See, they seem yeah. pretty cool earlier. And then we get to the scene, he's like, he's really critical. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, you were just calling this guy your father earlier, and now you hate him? <laughs> like, I think the what? overly critical thing comes once again from Palpatine, who's been telling him, like, you're the best Jedi ever. So he thinks he's ready for the trials, but Obi isn't letting him take the trials, I guess. But it's never established. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's just the beginning of his dark side. Yeah, he's just That's the only reason it's here. Says. There's lots yeah. of stuff that we'll get to that I noticed on this viewing that is clearly only in there to justify certain things that happen later. Why does Anakin murder women and children? Because it literally makes no sense why he would do that. And then it makes you think and you go, Oh, I feel like this guy, after becoming Darth Vader, wouldn't immediately kill children. So they, I think they put it in this movie so that they could kind of justify how evil this guy becomes in the next movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And this is that same thing. Like, why does he hate Obi-Wan? I think George Lucas and Jonathan Hales, <laughs> the romance, the romantic author of our generation. Um, I think when they were writing it, they were probably like, shit, we wasted that whole last movie. There was no Anakin and Obi-Wan stuff. We need to have them hate each other one movie from now. How do we do that? Hmm. Well, what if we just have Anakin out of nowhere say that he basically hates Obi-Wan? <laughs> and then Jonathan Hales was like, well, George, uh, what's the reasoning? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> let's not put it in. We'll get to it later. later. Um, so let's let's move on to the Obi-Wan plot. We'll come back to Anakin and Padme in a second. Um, Obi-Wan is trying to investigate the origin of the start. He sees he goes and sees his old friend Dex in the really weird diner scene, um, the Pulp Fiction Diner, <laughs> as I called it. <laughs> it kind of looks like that, yeah. So after meeting with Dex in the diner, Dex points him in the direction of a mysterious planet called Camino. Um, he goes and confers with Master Yoda, who helps him find a, this planet in the galaxy that's been mysteriously erased from the archives. Okay, we got to talk about this. <laughs> so I feel like again, this movie's. Too long. It sounds like we all agree with that. So what can we cut out? We can cut out this. 
this doesn't make any sense what happens here. He gets the dart. He's going to go talk to his friend. Cool. We get to see a different side of Coruscant. Whatever. Cool enough, I guess. Takes the dart. And this guy that Obi-Wan says later that he trusts says, oh, this is from Kamino. They make clones there. Decent amount of information. <laughs> Goes to the Jedi archives, I guess. I guess this is the only place you can find it. And he's like, yeah. it's supposed to be right here. Where is it? And then the librarian's like, I don't know. I guess it's not there. I don't have to tell you. And he's like, okay. And then he goes to Yoda and he's like, Yoda, quick question. There's a planet that's supposed to be right here and I, I can't find it. The kids are like, I guess they erased it. And then Yoda's like, that kid, brilliant he is. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan's like, well, what do I do, master? And then Yoda's like, just go there. Okay. So... Obi-Wan is known for three scenes now where this planet is, and Yoda's great advice is, just fly to the place where you think it is. And then Obi-Wan's like, okay, bye. It's like, we don't need any of these scenes. (laughs) Obi-Wan knows where it is, and Yoda's advice is, just go there anyway. It's like, okay. Yeah, and he can even point to it on a map. Yeah. Like yeah. The planet's not on the map, but I, and he, he even points says, to the spot and it's so on the map. Weird. It should be right here, and there's all these stars circling around it. It must be in its gravity. And then Yoda's like, you should go there. There's clearly a planet there. And it's like, Obi-Wan knew where it was. <laughs> we had to endure like three extra scenes of him talking to a creepy librarian. And then yeah, you had to go to the Hogwarts kid. library and talk to Professor McGonagall. She's like, uh, it's not in the archives. It doesn't exist. And he's like, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like that. It's, good. it's so weird how this happens. It's like, just go to Camino. So we do eventually arrive on Camino, and Obi Wan is shocked to find that he's expected. Matt, can you tell me your nickname for the Camino workers? I would just probably call them the giraffe people. <laughs> the long, long necks? Daddy long necks? Yeah. Yeah, these long neck giraffe Camino people are waiting for him. He meets with their prime minister. Um, who says they're right on schedule building the army and that um, they're, they know Master Sifo-Dyas will be pleased. Yeah, and that's the big, that's the big twist, is that Master Sifo-Dyas has been dead. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> um, I will say, though, you know, despite the jokes, the Camino stuff is cool in a vacuum, I feel like. Yeah, I do um, like this part. It's also a really cool design that I think holds up for the most part. It's just like a planet that apparently is just constantly being stormed on, and it's mostly water. So it's just like they've had these, they have these platform cities basically, but yeah, I really like the setup. I mean, he gets there, it's like, whoa, why are you expecting me? And, it's, uh, and then it turns out somebody we don't know who commissioned in secret this entire army. And the funny thing is, it's also kind of cool as you would expect this army would be the opposition, which again, spoiler alert, they kind of briefly become enemies in the next movie. But in this one, it's like, oh no, he commissioned them for the Republic. Like they're yours. And it's like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wait, what? What's happening? So it's kind of cool how they set it up. I like it in a vacuum. Um, it's just there's so much shit surrounding it. This is definitely the most interesting part of the first yeah. act, I think. Um, eventually, we do learn that they are cloning people, cloning these soldiers from Jango Fett, who is the bounty hunter that he's cool. been tracking. I like that. We get a pretty cool interaction, too, between Jango Fett, a young Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan as well. I- Take Boba out of it, and I agree with you that it is cool. <laughs> it's just a cool fan moment that he's there, I guess. I'm sure people were so stoked in theaters, but does it go anywhere? No. But yes, Keith, go ahead. I know you love this line. Uh, I just love the, the quotes from Boba. Like, Boba, is your dad home? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a weird kid. <laughs> 
They have a pretty intense conversation though, which I like. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool. They, it's yeah, it's just like it's heat, a cool you know? conversation. They know clearly each other's intentions. Like he knows this is the bounty hunter. He knows this is a Jedi. Um, and they're just kind of faking it to seem diplomatic. Yeah, it was cool. And mm-hmm. the fight they do, I did not remember it being kind of cool. I actually kind of like the, the fight. Yeah. yeah. And let's go right to the fight. So Boba knows he has to leave as soon as he interacts with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan sends a message to Yoda and Mace Windu who tell him, all right, bring this guy in. Um, and then eventually a fight ensues as, they, as uh, Boba, tries, Boba and Jango try to escape the planet and Obi-Wan tries to capture them. Yeah, the thing I like about the fight is that it seems like this was something that was... It's actually... It's not as good, but it's similar to what we talked about last time with the um, the fight between Darth Maul. Like, we were so impressed that, like man, this must have taken forever to choreograph and they thought of everything and they just outperformed the expectations. And here they did something similar with the whole premise of like, it seemed like the fight they wanted to do was we want this legendary bounty hunter who is Boba Fett's dad um, to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi. Cool in premise, but how the hell do you make that Especially fight since interesting? Boba didn't get a cool moment in the, first, right. in the original Agreed. Movies. So I'm sure that's partially why they did it here. But also they have to figure out how are we going to do that? Obi-Wan has the force. He has a lightsaber. How's a guy with a jetpack and a gun going to do anything remotely cool? But they did it. They made it really cool how he was actually able to hold yeah. his own. Yeah. And usually I would hate when like, like I always hate it when like our hero loses like their main weapon. Yeah. But the hand-to-hand combat here is really cool. So it works for me in this scene mm-hmm. too. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was really cool. And I like the suspense. It's also like a cool, like multi-leveled fight yeah. too, like with all the platforms as well. Yeah. So cool scene here. I think Camino is definitely the best part of this first act. However, we do have to move away now no. and go to Naboo no. in the, Adme, <laughs> the Anakin and Padme relationship. Oh, no. It's so bad. Anakin and Padme travel back to Naboo where they meet with the new queen um, and the local Naboo government. Um, Padme make, takes a second to burn Anakin and remind him he's not a Jedi yet. And then they go hide out in like a lake house, basically. This is also where we get probably the most, probably the second most famous line in Star Wars. The first being, I am your father. I mean, this sand thing has just gotten out of control. I mean, this is like the second most popular line from Star Wars. Like, I hate sand. Like, she's telling me this like really sweet story about how like when they were kids, like they used to go out to that island. Like, this was my favorite place. I love living here. Um, and his, and then his response is just like twiddle his fingers, like looking down. He's like, I hate sand. It's coarse, <laughs> and rough, and irritating. It gets everywhere. And her response, rightly so, is just like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> like, and then like, what do you say to that? And that's when it moves into the creepiness. And he goes, but other things are soft. And, and he then starts, he just like, rubs her back. her back. <laughs> Where did this come from? Where did this come from? <laughs> like He weirdly rubs her back. And then his monologue about sand gets Padme to kiss him somehow. I mean, that's going to be the rest of it. it. It's whenever she burns him in front of the, like, like, uh, the Naboo, like, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, the new queen and the court or whatever. Um, there's like a moment where you're like, I hope, like, obviously this is going to be the person he has kids with, but hopefully it's actually a cool relationship. I mean, it's starting off kind of from a cool place, maybe like kind of the antagonistic Han and Leia thing. Um, and then, no, like the next scene, he just starts rubbing her back out of nowhere. He's an asshole. And then they kiss. It's like, what? <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. And that gets worse. And we're going to get to it. <laughs> After they kiss, Padme says, no, they can't do it. He's a Jedi. She's a senator. It won't ever work. They're, yeah, they're having a picnic in front of a waterfall. They're riding, like, giant camel things. 
Well, we gotta we gotta talk about we gotta talk about the other thing. I mean, we we talked about in the last scene that like he rubs her back for like two seconds and then like says a really creepy monologue, and for some reason she's down to kiss him. But in this scene, he literally says his preferred form of government is a dictatorship. Padme is a former queen, current senator, and her reaction is sounds like we're talking about a dictatorship. And then he's like, yeah, like I mean, how do you get people to do what you want? And she sounds like force them he's like i guess like that's a dictatorship yeah he said if it works and she kind of just like looks at him like oh that's not that's not good but i'm gonna love you anyway yeah this is somebody in the government and she isn't like this isn't a red flag well and this starts a trend too of like padme just being down with anakin's like basically genocidal behavior we'll get to the main one later but yeah this is the start of it and then she's also talking about her old boyfriends oh yeah and he looks like he wants to kill her yeah (laughs) she's like he was cute and he's like i get the picture (laughs) so yeah um eventually uh anakin tries to show off by surfing on these weird oh my god like warthogs basically i guess um, and then they roll in a field together. I guess it's supposed to be some relationship building. Um, eventually, we get them having like a late night dinner by a fireside where Anakin tells her like, I'm in agony every minute I spend with you. <laughs> I think it's so funny how we just cut to that. It goes from a, like a green sunny field to just doing like candle lit black uh, couch. It's so weird. It's weird. And again, it's like. It doesn't seem like they're in love. And now we're already at the point where he's basically saying he's in love with her. And like, here, I, I wrote this quote down. From the moment I met you all those years ago, not a day has gone by when I haven't thought of you. Now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. <laughs> the closer I get to you, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you, I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss you should never have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that kiss will not become a scar. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. What can I do? I will do anything you ask. Uncomfortable pause. If you are suffering as much as I am, please tell me. What a weirdo. These fucking monologues are the reason this movie is two hours and 17 minutes Uh. long. My God, psycho! So, um, so after that, after that great love poem that he wrote for her, um, Padme once again tells him it's not possible. And then they go to bed, and Anakin has a nightmare about his mom. He wakes up in the morning, and he says he has to go to Tatooine to f- try and find her because he knows something's wrong. And this is just like the stereotypical dream stuff you see on like shitty TV shows. He's just like laying in bed, sweaty, and he's just like his eyes close, like shaking. Mom, mom, mom. And he just goes, like wakes up. So funny. <laughs> Dude, this movie this movie's not great. Well, let's get into the second act now. Um, this act opens with Obi chasing Django through through the asteroids of Geonosis. Um, on the surface of the planet, Obi finds Dooku and other separatist uh, leaders building a droid army. He sends the news to Anakin and the Jedi Council. Anakin and Padme return to Tatooine to try and find his mother, who has married into the Lars family and been taken captive by Tusken Raiders. Back on Coruscant, Palpatine is continuing to gain political power, and a vote is being considered to give him emergency powers as well. All right, so let's get into the asteroids. Keith, I know you like this scene. Yeah, I like this scene a lot, because I I mean, Slave 1 I always thought was kind of a badass ship. 
Yeah, all of all of the Obi Django stuff is really cool in this and further on into the Geonosis plot, I actually do find like the Count Dooku and Separatist stuff really interesting as well. Yeah, it's all interesting. I just um just feels weirdly meshed together. They also never established why Django is there. He also knew he was being followed and led them, led this Jedi to the planet where they're building their secret army. Okay, let's break it down, I guess. So, first, he was hired to kill Padme. That's why he sent Zam. So, that's that's number one. Number two, he was the one that they uh, made the clones after, which I'm not too sure how he got involved in that. I can't remember. They just then, paid him a lot of money. Yeah. And then number, th- and number three, I don't know why he's going to Geonosis. I yeah, I don't remember why he's going there. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just he's just a bounty hunter for hire to do, you know, the task they don't want to do. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so weird that he chooses this planet to lead Obi Wan to. Well, I mean, we know he's going there, but I guess he doesn't find out until the last minute that Obi Wan is tailing him, and then he thinks that he killed him, um, but Obi Wan, you know faked him out by releasing the debris or whatever. Yeah, weird. Now that I'm thinking about it, I actually don't even really remember his involvement in the plot. I mean, like, in the future, we know that Boba Fett is used by Darth Vader as, like, a bounty hunter for hire, but Django seemed a bit closer to the Separatists than that. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what his role would have been if he hadn't died. I don't, I don't know exactly. Well, regardless, um, Obi-Wan does eventually uh, sneak down to the surface and follow Jango Fett. Um, and this is where we're first introduced to our Count Dooku, who's meeting with um, the Separatist leaders. And, the, and our, our friend Viceroy from the first movies here as well. Is that legal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's revealed that Newt Gunray, you know, the Viceroy, was the one that originally wanted Padme dead so kind of kick-started that plot um but it's one of those reveals when it happens you're just kind of like okay who cares <laughs> so I don't know yeah whatever take it away I don't have much to say I'm just so confused by what's going on so eventually Obi-Wan does get a message off uh to Anakin and Padme um however while he's sending the message he's captured by Count Dooku yeah and this is kind of a cool scene at times and other times it's just weird so he basically gets captured and then i mean we the audience and obi-wan at this point know that dooku is with the separatists and then dooku comes in the room and basically trying to play a good cop i guess and trying to play innocent that he's not that involved i guess kind of weird um, but obi-wan already knows yeah that. he's trying to get obi-wan to join him which is kind of interesting as well yeah and of course we get that thing which this movie does in spades it'll do it more later but we get the line over Christopher Lee as Dooku is just like, oh, I was so sad that Qui-Gon died or whatever. And then Obi-Wan's like, yeah. And then Dooku's like, I mean, he would have joined me. And then Obi-Wan, of course, is like, he never would have done that. And then Dooku's like, you don't know that. And then he's like, I mean, you forget Kenobi. At one point, he was my apprentice. And then it's like, okay. And then, so this is kind of what they set up that everybody that we meet is basically, they were either somebody's apprentice or master at some point. Because then at the end of the movie, Yoda, <laughs> the Duke, it was basically like, <laughs> laughing at me, but it's like, <laughs> it's kind of insane. It's just like, you know, before they fight, he's just like, no. You're a Sith now, <laughs> Dooku, but don't forget, you were once my Padawan. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's 
It's like everybody is like a Padawan. I have a question too about Count Dooku. At the beginning of the film, when Padme is almost assassinated, she goes to the Count and says, hey, I think this was Count Dooku. And then Mace Windu says, there's no way it was Dooku. He was once a Jedi. He wouldn't like, it would be against his ideals to try and assassinate someone. So is he, is he the first Jedi to ever turn to the dark side? Like, has that never happened before? Well, I don't think they knew. I don't know if they knew he was like officially on the dark side at that point. I think they knew that he. But it, yeah, it that, sounds like the only like, reason they. It sounds like the only reason they think Dooku couldn't have tried to assassinate her is because he was once a Jedi, implying that a Jedi has never turned to the dark side before. That seemed odd because we know from like the old Republic stuff, which is canon in some way, um, that like back when there was a basically a lot of Sith. I think that was more of like a thing that happened. Like people would get like Anakin does. People would get turned for various reasons. Um, maybe they go good, maybe they go bad. But So why is it so hard for them to believe that Dooku could possibly be turning to the dark side? I don't know. Maybe because I maybe this movie sucks, to... dude. This movie's I don't trash. Know. Maybe because I don't <laughs> Jeez. This movie fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess they yeah, it, I think it's it implied weird. that he's like independent. Like, he's not on either side right now, maybe? That's what I got from it, but I don't know. But they even say, they say it would be against his character. Yeah, like, they, like as if he still, like, maintains his Jedi, um, yeah, his characteristics or, or laws. <laughs> I don't know. This is the same Mace Windu, though, that didn't know that Chancellor Palpatine was the Sith Lord. And again, to be fair, nobody did. Yeah. But They even talk about how much they like Palpatine, too. They're like, oh, Palpatine, he's such a good guy. Well, I think Yoda has a suspension, his suspicions in this movie. You can see it that one scene. Yeah, where Yoda has his suspicions about everybody and never does anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's sensing yeah, Anakin yeah. murdering all these people and just goes, oh, such grief in young Skywalker. <laughs> it's like, what? It's because of the Dude. prophecy. The prophecy said Anakin is supposed to be the chosen one, so they can't believe it because of the prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, I think they just put up with, I think they just put up with Anakin. Because they hope that he'll somehow bring balance to the Force. Uh, we also see him at the end whenever Padme falls out of the ship and Anakin has a tantrum. Go, put the ship down! <laughs> um, we see at the end of that scene that Yoda senses that. Which again is like, how do we not know that these two are going to like get married and like all that stuff? I don't know. Yeah, Yoda sucks. Well, let's way. move away, unfortunately, from the more interesting plot line and go back to Anakin and Padme. Um, They've arrived on Tatooine, where we get a brief reunion with Watto. Are you guys happy to see Watto again? This is a weird scene. Uh, Annie? Little Annie? It is you, Annie! <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that impression with Austin last night when we were talking. I just kept doing it. Like, I, I love the first one whenever he realizes, he's like, Annie? <laughs> uh, a Jedi! What do you know? <laughs> But again, they like they don't act like at least Anakin like isn't treating him nicely, which is good. But this guy like acts like they're going to be best friends. It's like I was your slave. <laughs> get get away from me. Um, so Wado Wado does tell him that his mother that he sold his mother to the Lars family, but eventually um, whoever bought him, I guess, fell in love with her and they got married. Um, so Anakin goes to meet the Lars family, but they tell him his mother's missing and she's been taken captive by Tusken Raiders. What did you guys think? If I return to the Lars family farm. Haven't been there since A New Hope. Uh, yeah, two things. Didn't give a fuck. And then the second thing is, 
Just another example. Of a small yeah, why the fuck are we going back to Tatooine so much? Well, not only that, not only that, even a worse example is Shmi Skywalker got sold to someone else. Who'd she get sold to? Nobody important. This is a huge planet. Oh, the Lars family. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> so fucking. I've said it every episode and I'll say it again. It's the Force! <laughs> yeah, it's all connected. So it's revealed that Anakin's stepbrother was Owen Lars, played by Joel Edgerton. Um, really? Yeah, that was Joel. Yeah, that was Joel. Edgerton. Oh, a young Joel Edgerton. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't really care about this stuff. Um, I do think there's only one remotely interesting thing about the Tatooine stuff for me, and it's whenever I don't even I don't even know if "interesting" is the right word, but it's the scene. It's before we found before we find out that he murdered women and children for no reason. But where it's actually good is when he goes to save her. He. Uh, sneaks in there they have like a sweet you know reunion she unfortunately passes away and dude when that music hits and he flicks his head up like holy shit that was awesome <laughs> like the anger in his eyes and when he walks out and just beheads the two people guarding i was like this is so cool but then he and uh, then it doesn't get so cool <laughs> later but for a what for a while this was pretty cool yeah, um, so he eventually does track down the Tuscan Raiders. He gets an, a brief union with his mom, like you said, um, and then he proceeds to kill everyone in the camp. Um, I, and like you said, Matt, I have it in my notes. I have. I do like the Vader theme playing here. So I'm on board with you there. That was cool. I like that too. And I also like that they played Duel of the Fates while he was riding on the yeah, speeder. Yeah, that was the cool. same song from the Dark I do like life. that speeder montage too. Yeah. I think that's yeah, pretty cool that as well. Was nice. Yeah, um, that was pretty unfortunately, cool. Unfortunately, we then come back to the Lars, fam- Lars family farm where he talks with Padme. He confesses to killing all the raiders and then he makes sure to clarify that he didn't just kill the men. He killed the women and the children. And you know what Padme says? Padme says, it's okay to be human, Anakin. <laughs> it's okay to be human. It's okay, man. We all have moments <laughs> of anger. But hold on. I, I, we have to do the whole quote because I wrote this down too. <clears throat> I, I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. Not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them! It's okay to be human. (laughs) Anger. It's okay. And then somehow this scene again becomes, I hate Obi-Wan. I know. <laughs> He's holding me back. He literally does. He says Obi-Wan's holding him back as he like throws a wrench <laughs> or something. <laughs> he throws a wrench at that speeder that Luke drives in New Hope. <laughs> oh, right. Um, and unfortunately, we also have to mention that we're reunited with 3PO on the farm so 3po joins the gang um they head back to the ship where they receive obi-wan's message from geonosis um the council orders anakin to stay with padme however padme says i'm going to help obi-wan and if you want to protect me you have to come too so then they head off to geonosis as well and then he just smiles he's like yeah (laughs) again she already forgot that he just confessed to murdering an entire village of people um because they're animals (laughs) So he slaughtered And she doesn't care. He's already said he wants to be a dictator. He wants to force people to his will. He's now murdered people in cold blood. And she's 
on board with all of this. Like, she knows exactly who she's marrying. In a weird way, it may- not much, but it maybe would have made a bit more sense if she wasn't a former queen and senator. It's even weirder that she's in such a high position of power, and all these confessions, <laughs> she doesn't she care. She also goes out of her way whenever she is meeting with her leadership and the other members of the council to say, I believe in democracy, we don't need an army, we need to believe in democracy. Like, basically saying, like, goodness will prevail. But meanwhile, her boyfriend is murdering people, like, all over the place and saying he wants to be a dictator. Have we gotten to the Jar Jar stuff yet? Because that's what you just brought up. That's what I want to touch on next. So before before we get out of the second act, I do want to touch on Palpatine gaining power in the Senate. Um, like I said in the first movie, I do find the political stuff really interesting, and I do like it here, too. I'm glad that it's less than it was in the first movie, um, but I do really like, like, Palpatine, like, kind of gaining power legally he does kind of take advantage of jar jar but he still does get everybody to vote him into this like supreme chancellor role as well i mean this is this is the moment i mean this is him seizing all the power i mean there's really no more power moves by him the rest of the prequels necessarily i mean revenge of the sith he's the supreme chancellor already obviously so he's in the highest position i really like like the senate scene in the first movie and i really like it again here too and we should also mention that jar jar has been left in padme's place and so jar jar is now voting in place of padme yeah it is one of those things that makes you wonder like did george lucas just see all the jar jar black backlash and his response was we'll just make him the reason you want to know something funny about that the running joke among the cast and crew was that this movie's title was Jar Jar's Grand Adventure because of because specifically because of the backlash of the first film. They just thought it was like a funny inside joke, which gives you some of that great Lucas comedy that he's known for. I mean, he, he's hysterical. <laughs> What's your favorite funny line from this movie, Keith? Oh, there's a line. That's not my favorite line, but it's a funny one. It's whenever they're interrogating a, the Django's assistant, Zam. And 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 uh, Anakin's like, tell us, tell us who you're working for. Tell us now. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> one. That's so funny. <laughs> there is actually one line that I do think is genuinely funny, and it's only because of you and McGregor's acting. I do actually like the line whenever they all, because the whole time Obi Wan has thought that Anakin and Padme were on Naboo where they were supposed to be. He doesn't realize until later that they left to go to Tatooine. And then he's even more surprised whenever they show up on Geonosis. But I love his reaction whenever Anakin's like, we decided to come rescue you, master. And then he just like looks around and he's like, good job. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I like that line. All right, well, let's get into the act that the critics were sure to praise. They said the final 40 minutes are the best part of this film. 40 minutes, by the way. 40 minutes. Longest third act in the Star Wars franchise, I think. (laughs) Um, I know in the original trilogy, we said that it was way too short. Um, But yes, this kicks off with Padme and Anakin landing on Geonosis. They find themselves captured immediately and are due to be executed with Obi-Wan. However, Mace Windu arrives just in time with the rest of the Jedi Knights. The droid army is deployed and just as the Jedi are about to be overrun, Yoda arrives with the clothed army in tow. A larger assault ensues, and the Jedi give chase to a fleeing Count Dooku. Um, so let's get into that manufacturing center Ugh. where uh, Padme and Anakin <laughs> have to go through to try and find Obi first. We've got to call this scene from now on Slapstick Central. <laughs> Do you guys know the trivia about this scene? No, I just know that it sucks. 
What else is there to know? So this wasn't in the original cut. <laughs> um, this this scene was filmed in reshoots because Lucas wanted a quicker pace for the third act. So he added in 20 quicker minutes? Quicker pace. <laughs> yeah, he added, he added in this whole scene in reshoots. Yeah, this scene's terrible. Wow. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, like how did they end up yeah. in there? They immediately got off the ship and then all of a sudden... Yeah, they like walk into a tunnel and they're just immediately in the manufacturing center. <laughs> yeah. at, the, at, the, at the, like transition into this is so jarring and 3po falls and he gets screwed up yeah when 3po falls and becomes cg that sucks r2 yeah we get some sweet 3po comedy yeah r2 saves the day funny at all. as usual because padman almost gets burned alive i do like i do like i do like r2 saving because yeah, he he finds a way to save him in every movie he's awesome yeah we love r2 we stand r2 here of course anakin has his lightsaber broken as well obi one's gonna kill me Um, and then they are taken captive and they're put on like a chariot looking thing and Padme confesses that she loves him what was this what was this truly (laughs) and he's like you love me (laughs) that's so weird dude so so yeah so they are forced into this like gladiatorial like arena um, where they're reunited with Obi and this is where we get Matt's favorite part or favorite Obi-Wan line. He walks over like the little wiener that he is, and he's just like, uh, <laughs> I need a rescue master. And Obi-Wan just like, good job, douche. <laughs> like, great plan. Great plan. Their relationship has just grown so much over these 10 years. You can tell how much they deeply care <laughs> like about each other. father and son. Yeah. They keep saying it, and I totally believe it. I was going to say, we get the other good line too, whatever. Uh, they're like, just remain calm or whatever. He's like, what about Padme? And then she started climbing up and think she seems to be on top of things. Yeah, I like that part too. That part's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that Padme like can take care of herself. I'm glad that yeah. she doesn't have to like keep being saved, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they do release those like three monsters, and it's just a big CGI fest until the Jedi show up. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it, it's it's cool, but it just feels like did it really need to be in here and did it have to be this long? I mean, Obi-Wan's fighting that spider monster for like 20 minutes. <laughs> do you mean this long of like just the three of them fighting? Or do you think the fight with all the Jedis was too long? No, I thought the three of them fighting went on a bit too long. Yeah, that drag, that drug on for me too. Um, what do you guys think about all the Jedis showing up? Do you guys like that? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I like that. I like the concept of it. I like the idea of looking at the originals. I mean, we see basically Obi-Wan, Luke and yoda those are your jedis um and then in the phantom menace we get qui-gon we get obi-wan and we get a taste of the bigger world but here is actually seeing all the jedi in action it was a cool way to do it basically have them all show up and you get this huge battle kind of see what you know the jedi used to be so it's cool is it executed great the whole time no there's lots of silly moments some of it doesn't look that great so I do think parts of this like just look so bad, but I I do love the moment with with Mace Windu and Django fighting. Like I love how like it doesn't even take like a whole lot of effort from Mace Windu. Like he just looks so overpowered when he fights Django, and I think it looks really cool. And he's just like so efficient with his strokes too when he gets the upper hand. Yeah, it is a little weird because like Mace Windu is supposed to be like he and Yoda are like the Jedi Masters. But, I mean, there obviously there are more, but like they're the two big ones. So it is weird seeing him in action because he doesn't look any better at anything than anybody else that's there. And it does make you think back on the Obi-Wan Django fight, how cool that was. And then Django basically just dies by, he just tries to shoot him. It's like, 
What about all the stuff you did against Obi-Wan earlier? He just tries to shoot him a couple times and then just gets beheaded. It looks cool watching Mace Windu actually Well, he did, he did like immediately kill that one random Jedi with his blaster. So maybe he was just trying to get quick shots in. Yeah, but I mean, it's cool. Obviously, we knew it was coming because they had to give up Boba Fett. Some tragic thing happens so that he takes up the mantle. But This scene was cool, though, because, I mean, you get to see that many jedi fighting together yeah it looks really cool it's just like eye candy pretty much yeah um but i fucking love when yoda shows up like from when yoda shows up to the end like i love everything that happens oh the clones yeah yeah i I think it's so cool it's one of my favorite parts in star wars yeah i thought that's pretty cool they're about to be killed by dooku and all of his geonosis weirdos so and all the droids so yeah that's pretty badass when they showed up and, and what do you guys think about, like, the larger clone and droid battle? I think this is, like, one of my favorite, like, battle set pieces in all of Star Wars, too. Uh, yeah, I think we get into better clone battles, though, in the third one, which we'll get into when we go into the third one. We'll see some even cooler clone battles. But, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I agree with what you guys said. I mean, it doesn't always look great in terms of, like, the CG and all, like, the choreography. It's kind of simple, just since there's so much going on. But, you know... I think it works well enough. It's certainly more exciting than most of the stuff happening in this movie. So, you know, I can get at that. Um, so wh- while this battle's going on, we do get a brief shot of Dooku meeting with his leaders and they show that they're building the Death Star. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, basically the most important thing to them wasn't really getting away with their lives. It was making sure that the Death Star plans were taken off Geonosis. So I like that. It was cool. Um, okay, and so eventually Dooku flees. Anakin, Obi, and Padme give chase. Padme falls out of the ship. Um, Anakin looks like he's about to shit his pants, basically. <laughs> Put the ship down. Put the ship down. <laughs> he just keeps saying yeah. it over and over um, again. The way he screams is so funny in this movie. Like, every time he screams, Padme! <laughs> <laughs> she falls down. I hate them! <laughs> yeah, this is pretty funny. She falls like 50 feet too and rolls in the sand. <laughs> Somehow didn't break any bones. Yeah, she was fine. She very, very conveniently falls out at the top of, of the hill. Sand yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so eventually they catch up to Count Dooku and then Obi-Wan tries to strategize with Anakin, but Anakin dives in head first and is immediately shocked and incapacitated by Dooku. Another funny line by Anakin. Like, oh, I'll take the left, you go in slowly. I'll take him now! <laughs> and he just runs in. <laughs> He's like, no! And this is supposed to be the big fight. This is supposed to be our sequel to the Darth Maul fight. I mean, just think, just yeah, think about Obi-Wan it. Obi-Wan gets his fucking ass kicked. <laughs> I mean, just think about yeah. it, though. I mean, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, how cool that was when they fought Darth Maul. And it's like, oh shit, now we're gonna get this new Sith fighting two people again. But this time it's Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker. This is gonna be so cool. This fight... Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> yeah, Anakin immediately gets incapacitated by the Force Lightning, which is cool to see but then um looks just as bad as it did in return yeah of the Jedi. weird that it looks well that was weird um <laughs> and then obi-wan and count dooku i theorized with this uh i think with both of you before i give props to christopher lee the guy is like i've said he's a legend he's been in so many amazing franchises and movies and i do appreciate that he clearly even at the time you know still in older age wanted to do as much as he could and it looks like he is doing it like the fighting which is cool and if that if he is doing that, that's cool. But it doesn't though. I'm just saying the idea of like this 
older guy like because they just they just pan on his face and he twiddles his thumbs yeah, yeah. above that's his that's what hand. i'm saying though it's like if you're gonna make him do it can you give him cooler shit to do or is it just that he's too old and he's like slower so they had to like slow down obi-wan think about obi-wan whenever his rage and how fast he fights against darth maul at the end of phantom menace and here it's just i don't know what it was it was weird it was bizarre and then we get something that like you're like wow that obi-wan fight was disappointing but then but then it's gonna be cool because then anakin jumps in defends his master and we're like oh shit this is gonna be awesome and then obi-wan throws in his lights and we're like He's dual wielding lightsabers. That was so cool. That's what I'm saying. That so That's cool. what I'm saying. This is so cool. And then he literally attacks him for a second with the two lightsabers. And then I'm not even joking. They cut to a wide shot. Anakin strikes. They hit lightsabers. And then he just puts his arms down. And then Count Dooku cuts his arm off. <laughs> he was just, it, it felt like, again, that's one of the things that's not good about the prequel lightsaber stuff, especially in Revenge of the Sith. It feels so choreographed. So it felt like in that moment, Hayden Christensen had finished his choreography. So he's just standing there waiting because he's done. And then uh, Christopher Lee maybe was like a step behind or something. So now he's trying to finish late. And so it just looks, Anakin's just standing there waiting for his arm to get cut off. It's so weird. And then this is the end. That's the end of the fight. It could have been such a cool moment, though, too, if the dual wheeling had gone on longer. Like it could have been so much But they better. cut it down because they were like, yeah. guess what? You got something even cooler. Got to make room for that manufacturing center. Well, that, but also, we're going to shorten <laughs> their fights so that we're going to have freaking Yoda come in. And you're going to see Yoda fight with a lightsaber. And how fucking awesome is this? Oh, wait, it's not at all? Oh, my bad. <laughs> okay, I, I do think the actual Yoda dueling is cool, but the little force battle is so weird. What about, how, how did you like when Yoda, for some reason, has to growl and moan as he jumps <laughs> while fighting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was Yo- pretty yoda good. looks that's pretty good yoda looks like pretty intimidating though when he's fighting yeah he I looks think. like he's he just flipping cool. all over the place you can't keep track of him he's like a little bug and again i mean obviously we knew from the get-go like an empire yoda clearly has a lightsaber i mean isn't that like their thing that they have lightsabers and then the prequels it's like oh well, he definitely must have a lightsaber like how would it look what would it look like if yoda fought and then you think about that it's like how would that work because he's so tiny and then here, clearly, the way that they make up for it is he is always, like, jumping, which is cool. But again, it just, I don't know. It, it's weird. And there's also a part where he literally, like, flips over Dooku. He's standing in a spot. He flips over Dooku, like, lands on the ship, and then, like, climbs up the ship, backflips off, hits a wall, jumps off, and he lands in the exact same spot that he started. And then they just keep <laughs> fighting. <laughs> so, like, why did he do that? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it's bad. Um, Dooku does, Dooku does force Yoda to, to save Obi-Wan and Anakin and he escapes. Yeah, Dooku meets with Palpatine and tells him the war has begun. Where the hell yeah, were they? Palpatine's like, everything's going as planned. They were on Coruscant, That's- but in a really ominous looking part that you think people would have yeah, scoped yeah. out. It's like super dark. <laughs> yeah. I do love, um, the closing shots of like the clone army amassing set to the Darth Vader music. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it would have been cooler if, like, this had been the first movie in the trilogy, and then the next movie would have been The Clone Wars, and the next movie would have been, like, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. But it's so weird that this is the ending of this movie. And then I shit you not, if you haven't seen Revenge of the Sith, people, the next movie starts, and The Clone Wars are over. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, the clones are still there, but the war is done. <laughs> it's bizarre. But yeah, so Anakin and Padme secretly wed on Naboo with, a. Uh, 
3PO as the maid of honor and R2 <laughs> as the best man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't say anything. Uh, and then the credits roll. Thank God. All righty. Well, before we get into our awards, let's run down our current Star Wars rankings of the film that we've seen. Keith, start us off here. All right. Number one, Empire. Number two, New Hope. Well, but wait, I heard Attack of the Clones is just as good as Empire in the Sun magazine. Yeah, it has to be number, it has to be number two. <laughs> number three, I guess it would have to be... I think I'll have to go with Phantom. I'll go with Phantom. And then Return, and then Attack of the Clones. All right, I'm going to go Empire, Phantom, A New Hope, God. Attack of the Clones, <laughs> <laughs> and Return. Return sucks, dude. Return is so fucking bad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go... Empire, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, even though I hate it. You cannot convince me that Return is better than Phantom. All right, I'm going to do Empire, (laughs) I'm going to do A New Hope, I'm going to do Phantom Menace for now, I'm going to do Return of the Jedi, and then Attack of the Clones is last. I can't can't justify it. Maybe I would have put it above it, but because they had that whole manufacturing sequence, I have to put it last. (laughs) So I I almost was going to go... Return and then Attack of the Clones, but I just love the clone stuff. Like I love the Clone War stuff at the end so much. So I, that that for me beats out the entirety of Return. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate that take. I did. I hated watching Return of the Jedi, so I can't, you know, give you shit for that one. All right. Well, now it's time to get into my favorite part of the show. Yes. Let's do our awards. Yay! Um, for those of you that are just tuning in, uh, we do awards at the end of every episode. It can be an award for anything. Um, Keith. Always starts us off. Keith, why don't you open up our awards ceremony today and give us your awards. All right. So for my rewards, I know you guys are probably thinking of Anakin for your rewards, right? Am I wrong? Or I'm, I don't you're, you're wrong for me. I have, an honorable wrong for me. Me. I, have an, I have an honorable mention that's Anakin, but my main award I do is too. not Anakin. Okay. I'm honestly worried we all might have the same award. I, yeah, I, I, get, I, I, I 100% know you guys won't say mine. I would be shocked if you do. But we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel I know, like I know, Keith and I could have the same. We'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see. No, I don't think we do because I think I'm going to change mine. No, because I I know you probably have something about Anakin, so I'm going to let you have one about Anakin, and I'm going to change mine to uh, um, best candidate for Weight Watchers goes to <laughs> <laughs> goes to Dex Obi Wan's friend of the wow. Night. wow 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 wow. What about best candidate to own a belt? <laughs> Even better, <laughs> most likely to not own a belt, Dex. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a I'm good not sure one. if he's going to like that award, but he'll no, get it in the mail. We, pro- we probably shouldn't send him that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so my award, there are so many candidates, and I actually might need some help workshopping the title of this award. Mm-hmm. But here it is. I'm going to give the worst with context line of dialogue award. <laughs> okay. To Padme. And here, here's the line that she's getting it for. The line is... <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know if I can make it through it. Okay. Um, Just laugh while you li- say it. We'll get the idea. The line is, you'll always be a little boy to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know the line. Hold you'll on, always be on. that little boy from Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The line The line is, you'll always be that little... The line is, you'll always be that... <laughs> fuck. The line is, you'll always be that little boy from Tatooine to me, Annie. And that line gets worse with context because she reveals that she's in love with him and she's always been in love with him. So how can she be in love with him if she still sees the little boy when she looks at him? Not a great line, Jonathan Hales. 
<laughs> oh, that's a good award. That's a good I one. I like that one. All right. I have one. <clears throat> I had some other ones floating around, but this one, I had to do it. And I didn't even really want to, to be honest, because it's an award that I've already given, surprisingly enough. But it was so bad, I had to give it. So, on the Phantom Menace episode, I gave the Henry Cavill Honorary Most Inconsistent Mustache Award to Liam Neeson and the Makeup Hair Department. (laughs) So I'm giving a slight variation of this award. I'm giving the, well, we'll just call it the same thing. So I'm going to give the Henry Cavill Honorary Most Inconsistent Mustache Award. But it's not just a mustache. It's an entire beard. And that goes to Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Really? Usually I'm keyed on on this. I didn't notice it at all. Half of the movie, he has a real beard, and the other half of it, and it's probably one of those things you only notice it. Once you notice it, you can never unnotice it. I'm not even joking. You can look it up. Half of the movie, his beard is CGI, because he had shaved it off after they finished (laughs) shooting the movie, and then they had to go do so many reshoots that his beard is very often just completely CG, and it looks terrible once you notice it. So I had to call it out. So I'm going to give this award to, of course, Hugh McGregor, the makeup and hair department. And I guess I also have to include the visual effects department on this one. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Uh, that's who my award We got a lot of awards to mail out this week. Oh, yeah. But there is some honorable mentions. I, I think we all three could agree that the, the biggest creep award goes to Anakin Skywalker. I was going to – I was – that's a good way to put it. I was also going to do the same thing. I was just going to also give out one that we gave last time, which was the creepiest smile award. But this time <laughs> it was going to it was going to be flipped, and it's going to be Anakin smiling at Padme after she tells him that <laughs> makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I was I was going to give um it was going to be a twist on my last award from the Phantom, but I was going to give most likely to end up on the catch a predator to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> that would have been a good one to give. All right. Well, I think that's going to close us out tonight. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, please share us with a friend as well. We really appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next week with a debate on the best movie scores. We're bringing the brackets back, and the Star Wars series will be back in two weeks. And don't forget, if you send us a DM with your thoughts on Revenge of the Sith, the Star Wars franchise as a whole, whatever you say, we will read it in the next episode. So, there you go. Send us your thoughts on Revenge of the Sith, or send us your thoughts on if you think Dexter Jetster should have worn a belt. And, uh, yeah, that's our show. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> if you are suffering as much as I am. <laughs> <laughs>